sometimes it's good to look at what was happening behind the scenes, why the tensions were so high, what was happening in Jerusalem before the Last Supper, and why people would ever want to kill Jesus. It was just before the Passover, as the city was becoming full of people, a city that normally had about 50,000 people, was hosting maybe 10 times that number. And so it was really, really crowded. And the Romans became very jittery when they realized so many people were in one place. But the religious leaders were also concerned because they had heard stories about what Jesus had been doing. And they relied on the Romans letting them continue to use the temple because it could have been shut down at any moment. And that would be a great threat to their position because much relied on the temple working, the people who were there, the priests, those who prepared the sacrifices. So they thought that one way perhaps they could discredit Jesus was to question his authority. So people didn't take what he said seriously, and then perhaps things would calm down. One of the things that annoyed them was how many of the crowd had been rejoicing and praising God when Jesus came on a donkey. They were even claiming that Jesus was the Messiah. And as far as they were concerned, Jesus definitely was not the sort of person they expected a Messiah to be like. Another thing that really upset them was his theology was too radical. Only a short time ago, Jesus had just cleared the temple, calling those who served there hypocrites because they allowed animals to be bought and sold in the temple grounds. Jesus also taught things that no one before had accepted. And he had an interpretation of scripture that astonished his listeners that the worst thing, the thing that had really caused them problems, was that just last week, he had raised Lazarus from the dead. And this, only two miles away in Bethany, much too close for comfort. So they began to ask Jesus, by whose authority do you do these things? And in true Jewish fashion, he answered one question with another. And then he went on to give them some illustrations that hopefully would help them decide who really was telling the truth. His first illustration reminded them about Isaiah and the vineyard of the Lord Almighty, which was another name for Israel. They often called them God's vineyard. And the people of Judah were the vines that God delighted in. But when God looked for justice, he found bloodshed. And when he looked for righteousness, he found cries of distress. In the picture of the vineyard, God is the landowner, and the tenants are the priests and elders responsible for tending the vineyard and caring for it. And the servants that God sent to tell people about how they should live were the prophets, starting in 740 BC and entering around 420 BC, 
God sent a new prophet about every 15 years on average. And all of them found that God's fruit was not ripe. So they preached to them and warned them about the coming judgment and encouraged them to rebuild and tend Israel properly. These prophets were not treated well at all. Elijah was driven from Jerusalem, which gave him suicidal depression. Jeremiah was beaten and put in stocks. Isaiah was sawn in half by Manasseh. Amos was tortured and killed by priests. Obadiah was routinely beaten and punished by the king of the time. And Habakkuk was stoned to death. And as we know, John the Baptist was beheaded by Herod. So God said, what shall I do? I know I'll send my son, whom I love, and perhaps they'll respect him. But when they saw him coming, the people who were looking after the vineyard said, this is the heir, let's kill him, and then the inheritance will become ours. This was a very common principle back then, because if a person worked the land of a farm for three years and no rightful owner could claim it, then the one who worked it inherited the land. So basically, the tenants wanted to take over the vineyard. And in this case, we're talking about the religious leaders who looked after the temple. They wanted to be in charge of things. They didn't always like God's commands. Why couldn't they keep things the way they were? So they were going to kill Jesus. But God was going to bring down judgment on them. He would wipe out their leadership. And in 70 BC, the temple was actually, AD, the temple was actually destroyed. And as we know later on, the apostles became the ones who had authority to shepherd the flock and eventually the Gentiles. So things just didn't go well. Jesus gave a second illustration about how the leaders were not doing the right thing, which probably was another reason why they wanted him killed. He said, look at the illustration of the cornerstone. It's the first stone that you lay when you're building, and it forms the basis of the foundation. So you find a really good stone. But ironically, they throw away the stone that was actually the perfect one because it doesn't quite look the way they would like it to be. And that's Jesus. Jesus is the one that they forget, they get rid of, because he isn't what they thought they were getting. But he is the cornerstone because he links the Old and the New Testament. He links the Jews and Gentiles. He's the one who links God to man and sin to grace. He's the one who links the cross to the empty tomb and death to eternal life. Jesus is the one who makes everything make sense. So this challenge was too much for them. They didn't like having to make this choice. He told them where the authority came from. It came from God because he was God's son. But they still wanted to be the masters, the ones running the temple, the ones having the things their way. So Jesus had made his listeners then 
take a choice. And as we know, the Jews made their decision. They accused Jesus of blasphemy and implied that he was a lunatic and dangerous to Rome and that he might have been about to cause an uprising. Sometimes we can be challenged too because making a commitment to the truth has a cost. We might have to accept that knowing Jesus as he really is can turn our lives upside down. But it is worth it because he is our Lord and Saviour. And we can sit at the table like the Last Supper table and do as he asked us to do and follow him as best we can. Amen.